Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for being here with us. Well, Jack's very gifted in a lot of different areas. Uh, that's funny right there. I laugh at that all the time. I'm like, man, you know, Jesus walking on water like, hey, what's up, fish? Right, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. You Here know? in the crowds where everybody's chanting about Minnesota, don't you know? And I know we're down 15, but don't you know? We're going to come back, don't you know? Right? And I feel like to talk to somebody, I need to email their belt bumper, get permission. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, hey, man, how you doing? How, what, what is that? Like, that needs a headlight. Everything being this. What are you looking at? I'm looking at the game. I mean, there's a game. What are you looking at? What's up, kid? What you looking at, son? I kid, not your son. Just here for the game, bro. We gotta do what? What are you talking about? We gotta go pop the pop. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. Talking your Houston feelings straight from the Great British Isles. As Super Bowl Sunday has passed as we're waiting on the changes that lie ahead in this offseason. Watching two successful teams play it probably puts it into perspective, but we've got some comedy gold this week, some moves in and out of the building, some trade talk as we enter silly season, and reflecting on the Super Bowl, watching Mahomes struggle against the pressure of the Bucks front, and I think it was a good reminder to us all that you're only as good as your fronts, and they're the ones that dominate the games, and they call it the trenches for a reason. So you saw Mahomes struggle and a lot of people say, well, that's what Watson's had to deal with. And I think that's right in, in some senses. You've got to bear in mind though, a two-week planned out game plan on a Super Bowl is going to be the best of the best and everything you can throw at. And you saw lots of stunts and twists and they made it you know uncomfortable. The Chiefs kind of got away from the quick game didn't take the sting out of the pass rush and it just kind of got worse and worse and it was really Tom Brady cruises to his seventh ring probably Mahomes isn't going to be able to catch him now considering the the uh, the, the likelihood of winning another another seven but he might play as many years but certainly that's you know cemented Brady is probably one of the best to ever do it if not the best and certainly the, the most winningest quarterback of all time but it was an interesting view into what it is like to build a successful roster laden with draft picks right through right throughout and I think it made an important point of you need to hit with your picks and there was a lot of them of the names you've seen the Bucks draft whether it be in the secondary a couple of free agent signs you have to get lucky like the Texans will have to get lucky this year as they did with Shaq Barrett you know an undrafted guy buried on the depth chart and Denver goes over there and it's a bit lightning in the bottle stuff and leads the league in sacks and He's first year and he's on back on the franchise tag. So, you know, you saw that up front and he kicked some tail and it was too much for the, the Chiefs. also saw another couple of comments out there about, well, it's a reminder of why the Texans had to invest in tons on it. I, I still hold that trade is probably the worst of them all. I think you, you only have to look as far as Tristan Wirth's out there, who was the fourth tackle taken this year's draft and, and played an admirable role and they gave up one sacks on over 900 Pass, pass sets and, and pass protection so like I think it was it's a reminder of, of how good teams are and, and how good teams are built and ways you can win it and you saw the Chiefs formula kind of sell them short and I think that's probably on defence and their, their issues that they kind of stopped the run and, and they weren't great in the intermediate game so they they got caught out in there and they're a handsy team on the back end and the rest played their part but 
It is what it is, right? And it's, I suppose we had a couple of conversations on Sunday about, you know, the better days for the Texans, because that's not only why you want to do it. You want to see your team in that game at some point and are the better days ahead of us. And you've, got to, you've always got to hope as a fan, but at the same time, when you see well-run franchises like that and you see some of our problems that have compounded this week as the Texans couldn't keep themselves out of the news, it may feel like a, a very distant hope at this stage. That's the point of questioning that I get to continually and I spoke about this over the weekend, a number of people that I don't think we've hit rock bottom yet and you saw that with the moves that were made out the, out the building this week but I think there's a big chance that things get worse and I think what that plays itself out in two ways. One, obviously, being the primary if we lose our quarterback in this focused mission of culture and, and all the kind of stuff that supposedly Casario's bought into which I just I still can't quite get my head around Casario and what that inner workings that looks like behind the scenes but ultimately an organisation that's heavily influenced if not all be you know basically led by Jack Easterby is are we going to lose our quarterback in the process and is that going to continue to go down is that you know and will that be one of the biggest the biggest pitfalls as we as we hit rock bottom but I, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better and if you think of all the things that the, the Chiefs were good at and and Tampa were good at to get to the final stage of the competition it's going to take a long time to get there and it just shows you probably can't win without a quality defence and the the Texans are a number of years away from piecing that together so getting to that stage for us all I think is going to be a long way off even with Watson staying and that's probably one of the the realisations we get better and you think you know, it may be, and if this Watson situation continues on the path it's on, and they do hold out, and I, I've still maintained the position, I think you better just let them hold out, you'll save some cap. I don't think his value changes much between training them this off-season and not, because if it doesn't happen before the draft, it's going to it's gonna have to tail well into next season, uh, into next off-season, and then get confirmed in, in March 22, so when the, the new league year reopens, so there's a lot to go in this off season and that, that overhanging issue of us that, you know, you just feel like you can't really move on. But um, if it doesn't solve itself in the next, you know, three months, then it's it could be a long one. And I think from all signs so far that the Texans are comfortable with just holding their position on that. But look, I think there's a lot of cloud hanging over this off season and Jack used to be will remain at the forefront of that. And you saw these comedy videos or supposed comedy videos and he's from the pulpit and talking about, you know, terrible terrible time, terribly delivered jokes and and, you know, for what it seemed like pity laughs and there seems to be a hundred of them creeping out on social media. And it's interesting to to see that and it probably just solidifies that perception that was in Sports Illustrated of the kind of character he is, a try hard unrelatable and then but the problem is I think you've got to remember when people don't relate to him and don't give him the time they see the exit pretty quickly um, and you saw that this week with Kevin Karovic who was the long time number two to Chris Olsen he was he was showing the door and look if you're Casario coming in you can look at a number of the contracts on the books are bad contracts yes they are but to blame Kevin Kay for, for that as much as, uh, as famously John McLean forgot his name uh, when when Chris Olsen left. But uh, again, it's who replaces him. And it just, it, 
uh, Aaron Wilson pointed out another office executive that would be in the wings waiting to go, but he'd continually take out the top guys, leave less experience, less people who are willing to challenge the, the skewed leadership of this organisation, and does the quality of people behind the scenes just get gradually worse? And I would expect Casario to overhaul the the, the front office this off-season after the draft is common as part of the process. Most teams' contracts, if they're going to be let their let their front office guys go, will be after the draft unless it's a GM you're hiring. So the, the previous regime's staff holdover will follow through and you'll find out sort of into May, June, who replaces those guys if they are departing. But it was an early wave of what is potentially new changes to come with a new GM in the building, albeit Easterby being the holdover from the, the previous you know reign of terror of him and O'Brien that have put us in this horrible spot that we're in. But I think that you, you saw Mike Parsons, uh, Mike Parsons go in as well, the head, the equipment guy, a guy I spoke to the draft last year, really nice guy. He was there calling out the or putting in the turning in the card for the Texans. Um when uh when Brian Game was still here and calling in the picks and you, you saw that in the video with Titus Howard when they released that and and again it was him, it was Doug West, were these the people that the second SI article outlined that Easterby was effectively trying to by lying, but smoke out the people who potentially spoken out against him and the way the organisation was going, and they might well be the those that that are sacrificed uh, for for him on his public pursuit. But I think what's different from those videos of that kind of public persona, there's obviously a very ruthless individual who's willing to do what he needs to take to to secure power. But I think that gives us the sort of bigger overall picture of it of what's the end game how does he see this playing out because you're in a position where you know we were one of the worst teams in tw- in in the 2020 season even even if Watson does or doesn't stay we're more than likely to be in that bracket again because it's going to be really hard to build this off season this roster in the off season on the fly and make the change you need to do to get up to being a sort of playoff competitive level team it can be done, but it's 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 very it's going to be very difficult for him to do that. So, what is Easterby's end game in all this? Because he'll certainly not get a job at another franchise. He's hated with complete you know, vitriol by every fan that know that, that knows anything about the Texans. He's now become the public face of the Texans' problems and directly associated with them by many people. You saw Charles James coming out. And, and talking about that again when you saw Mike Parsons leaving. So where it all ends and where he sees it going, I don't know. I don't know if he's tried so hard to to, to keep his keep his grip on his position, influence to get Casario hired, that now it's kind of, it seems, you know, that, that he wouldn't be there under any other leadership, under any other, the 31 franchise in the league building. He would not be employed, or certainly would not be employed at the level he's at. But considering all the negative public public perception and articles and exposés and and rumours and all this kind of stuff that's come out about about him and it's directly correlated with the downfall of the team being competitive on the field. He's certainly not going to get a character coach job when he's been directly involved in what many of the players have called called out the culture has been broken and needing fixed. And it doesn't look like the, the Texans have fixed that off the field this season. So, and I go back to the point again, I go, I'm genuinely disappointed with what he's his output's been, but ultimately these moves of Kevin Karovich, Mike Parsons, and Doug West being released, is that again, is that is that another sign that in fact Easterby's in charge and 
Casero does not have the final say about matters off the field and away from the directly impacted football operations. So his position doesn't look strong. I think the short press conference last week was looked again weak and it, it, it doesn't look like the, the bona fide leader in person to try and bring this franchise forward and out the hole it's in. And I think the longer Easterby stays around, his job becomes harder just by definition and, you're, and his stock in the in the court of public opinion with, with Texas fans and, and and many media onlookers. I just think it just erodes over time and it's 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 a hole that he needs to plug. But I, I, I think he's... I don't think he's got the power to do it. I think is what potentially we've seen this week. And the coaching staff definitely has Casario's fingerprints all over it. And looks like, certainly, if you take Frank Ross, for example, went to John Carroll, was a wide receiver there, set records to Casario's alma mater. And he was also spent some time at New England, comes over from Indianapolis to, to coordinate the special teams. And then, obviously, Lovey Smith, it looked like it was hand-picked already. And you wonder, you know, is David Cully not being the a true head coach and it's almost like he's going to be an extension of the GM to oversee this is that is that a positive model again it's like the franchise with the Bill O'Brien and GM head coach unique model of sub programs and all this kind of stuff off the field trying to think out the box trying to do it differently we've failed in doing that and it, that, again that just screams of somebody who's got input at the highest level I used to be into into stuff that doesn't work because they've never seen they've never been close enough to the inner workings of a franchise that's that they can say and take the transferable knowledge away because you can guarantee Bill Belichick didn't let him near any of the any of the stuff that he's trying to put his hand in now and you know claiming that he'd had an internship and salary cap management and in Jacksonville for a year well just look at the Whitney Merciless Nick Martin Eric Murray you know any of these contracts are on the books and you know Randall Cobb that you know, obviously scream of people's either, you know, incompetence and again it's it looks like other people have taken the, the flag just as O'Brien did now, it looks like it's it's Kevin Karovich. So but the, if you look at the, the coaching staff, Andy Bischoff comes over from the the Ravens to be the tight ends coach and yeah, okay, he'll be but then you think if you look at the, the juggling that's been done to try and shoehorn guys in, Lovey Smith's son, who's not got really any discernible record of being a head coach, has got or a co- position coach rather, is coming in to, to look after the, the linebackers, which moves Bobby King to the defensive line. And Bobby King is probably one of the more bona fide, respected resumes of of coaches left over from the O'Brien era. Um, but he he probably goes from one of the few coaches who you could hang your hand and say did a, a decent job with the inside backers to then go and uh, to then go and move him to the defensive line. It doesn't really make any sense, and I I, I just. It just feels like this is all very temporary um, and actually are they facing into a longer term plan of they know they're in a hole and I don't think Cal knows they're in a hole but is there an understanding that this is just a this is just a bridge coaching staff and many people keep pointing to the Josh McCown will he take over as head coach at some point and it's all been lined up and this is all Greece to be his grand plan. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I think he'll have a great future in the league, Josh McCown, but if that's the plan then you know we're looking at many tough years watching this team in mediocrity we'll certainly not be talking about the Texans in the Super Bowl and we'll be onlookers as we've often been so we're just getting into that period now we're sort of some five six weeks away from free agency a period which I think the Texans will be not struggling in but they'll certainly not have the pick of the bunch in terms of candidates particularly with this overhanging issue of Deshaun Watson you know if you were a free agent would you want to come to a place that's 
Last to hire a coach. Fans unhappy. The quarterback wants out. He may or not be may or may not be traded. And we're going to be looking at guys of who you might have to overpay or you might have to give an opportunity to play. They've not necessarily had that. There's going to have to be a lot of workings to get under the salary cap, which is looking like it's going to be around the 180, 182 million mark. So it's a reduction from where it was this year. Um, so there's going to be a lot of hard decisions going to be made. We'll have a look at that in the future podcast as we try and clock down the weeks until free agency, which in, uh, historic, historically has been reasonably exciting until last year because you want to see your team go and fill needs so you don't have to be reliant upon that in the draft and go and make sure you, you address position, positions where you're short and, and, uh, and you can bring some players in. And it's generally quite a fun process as a fan to, to be a part of that. But this season could be very different. And uh, the Watson thing, I'm assuming unless they, they trade him right at the start of free agency, would be uh, would probably be not a great thing and no great time. And they want to just try and wait if that is the course of action they want to do. But it's silly season. You will see rumours about players talk, even Russell Wilson, trade rumours. And it's obviously the fashionable thing. You were waiting to see the Carson Wentz trade value come out. One report out there from Benjamin Albright, who is a respected reporter saying the Texans were phoning. But again, I don't, you just don't know and you have to have to use a bit of common sense and certainly it's been a hard January this year with all the all the off-field dismay and malaise of people just not really know what's going on and not really being able to make any sense of it and I think the rumour mill will continue with the with the Watson storyline being the biggest one because it's all the media have got to talk about right now and they're going to really pedal this one right through till we get free agency so the 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 trade deadline well the tag deadline will 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 fuller be tagged as well that's another decision the team will have to make but certainly after the after the Super Bowl is finished we're now creeping ahead towards the next season but it feels like we've entered it with the same uncertainty that we'll leave it and and I don't think much will be clear about this team just as the leadership and strategy off the field isn't the on the field picture will mirror that I think and it's going to be a difficult couple of weeks and we've seen exactly what's going to go on and get reasons to believe that the Texans will be even worth watching next year and I do think that they could be a in for a tough season and, and, and a reset season with or without Deshaun so hopefully we can see some green shoots of recovery but it's it's definitely going to take some time to work itself out and it could be an 18 month process for it to rebase itself and could be a lot more twists in this table left but thank you again for listening just a quick podcast this week just to follow up from the Super Bowl and some of the interesting moves off the field but the themes and our problems are still to be corrected and looking at the track track record of this leadership will that come in at any point soon it would be doubtful but thanks again for listening you can check us out at podcasttexans.com at podcasttexans on Twitter and on Facebook Rock and roll baby